We've been studying this series on home improvement, and we've looked at God's Word to the man. We've looked at God's Word to us as men in general. We've looked at God's Word to um, being the head of our homes, to what it looks like to be a godly husband, to be a godly father. Last week, we started uh, dealing with what God's Word tells us about ladies. And I am so grateful that if God will allow, this will be the second portion of that, and I can move on. The bad news is I move on to parenting. I will say I've had a lot of really good feedback um, on this particular sermon series. I've had a lot of good feedback. Even when I was dealing with men, I had ladies tell me I got a lot from it. And last week, which was the first sermon uh, part that dealt with ladies, I had men that tell me that even last week was helpful for them, and I pray the same thing happens today. I do want to say that I spent a lot of time preparing for this section on what the Bible teaches about women. I listened to about six to eight hours of sermons from other pastors that I trusted. I read a lot of materials. And I would like to recommend to you a guy by the name of Matt Chandler. He is a pastor down in Texas. And um, I found some of his material exceptionally helpful. And if you want more, you ladies specifically, if you want more than what I've given you last week and what you're going to get this week, I'd encourage you to look at the Matt Chandler, A Beautiful Design series. And um, I've found a lot of his material helpful and used some of it last week. All right, with that said, let's get into Home Improvement, Part 5, Reality to the Rescue. This morning our text is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 and more specifically verse 2, but it is a constant thought. So let's read together Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Specifically, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Let us pray. Father, we love You. We thank You, God, for Your mercy and for Your grace. We thank You, God, for Your sweet Spirit here this morning. God, we pray, Lord, that as we open up Your Word this morning, that You would speak to us. We fully acknowledge that Your Word is living. It is powerful, God. It is able to divide between the spirit and the soul. And God, that it is a, uh, an, it is a discerner of our thoughts and the intents of our heart. And this morning we pray that Your Word would penetrate us. God, that it would challenge us, that it would change us. Lord, I pray this morning that this sermon would be refreshing. God, that it would be relieving uh, for many women in this church, I pray, God, that You would speak to us men as well. And, God, that reality this morning would come to our rescue. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not follow the pattern of this world is another way of saying it. Women are twice as likely to be depressed as men. We've looked at depression before here at the church, and 
depression is a very real thing in our society, but women are twice as likely to be depressed as men. And I think the reason for that is there is so much pressure on women in our society to be too many things all at the same time. One of the difficulties of being a Christian woman, and that's really what I'm talking about this morning, is being a woman according to God's design, according to God's plan for your life. One of the difficulties of being a Christian woman in this day and in this age and in this society is in large part we have bought this false picture of what womanhood looks like, of what it means to be a good, solid mom. There is too much pressure to be too many things on women. You're supposed to be a perfect mother with perfect children, with perfect homes, with sparkling countertops and spotless floors. You are supposed to be the taxis of our children. You are supposed to be the schedule keepers and know what is going on at all times each day. You are supposed to be multitaskers. You are supposed to be women now who have successful careers, respectful wives who keep their husbands happy and engaged. Many of you have to be the father to your own children because the real father is either engaged or has moved out of the picture. You have to be problem solvers in this day of unengaged men and absent fathers while all at the same time trying to obtain some level of outward appearance that this world calls attractiveness. You take all of that and you place that on your shoulders, I start to get anxiety just thinking about it. But this is the push for the woman in 2014. That you are to be all of these things. When I think about all of the things a woman is supposed to be, at least according to this world, according to this society... Men, we get it easy. We're just supposed to go to work, come home, watch TV. I mean, if you watch the average television show these days, that's the picture that's painted of the man. He's just a doofus that's lucky to have a job and just sits at home and the wife has to take care of everything and organize everything. And in a lot of homes, it does look that way. As we studied men a few weeks ago, that's not God's design for the men. We're not to be lazy. But this picture of what womanhood looks like, it is so unattainable. It is no wonder that women are so much more depressed than men. One of the studies I found that while depression does strike at many different times, most women seem vulnerable during their childbearing years. Women are at their highest risk of depression during pregnancy, and listen to this, shortly after delivery. Studies show it didn't always used to be that way. The question is, why is it that way now? I believe it's because women have also bought into this mentality that they have to be successful in their careers. We have experienced this this, uh, modern phenomenon in the last 20 years where women are now trying to go to college and become successful and and, and work up the ladder and then wait to do their childbearing and to become a mother until they're in their mid-30s. It didn't used to be that way. It worked the other way around. And I think a lot of women see children, as much as they love children, they see children during that childbearing time as a threat to their career, as a threat to their ability to do everything else that they're supposed to do in order to be a successful woman in this society. 
Just two days ago, the Washington Post published an article of a long-term study that involved approximately 1,500 men and 1,500 ladies. This is a pretty exhaustive study with 3,000 people. And the study specifically dealt with what we would call successful business people. Listen to what they found. According to new research on depression among women already in positions of leadership, women with job authority, ones who have the ability to hire and fire people, and influence over paychecks, also have significantly more symptoms of depression than women without this kind of power. At the same time, having job authority slightly decreased these symptoms in men. It's a big study. It flies in the face of everything that this feminist movement's been telling this culture for the last 20 or 30 years. And what we're finding is that studies and science continue to show us that this book is right. That there is a design that God made for men and for women and that when we get it out of order and men try to be women or women try to be men, it does not do anything but create pain and chaos. When I think about ladies, the bar has been set to such a ridiculous level that it is unattainable and thus women who buy the narrative of what you're supposed to look like and what your home is supposed to be, you feel like constant failures. You feel like no matter how hard you try, you'll never be a good enough wife. No matter how hard you try, you'll never be a, you'll, your house will never look like it's supposed to look. No matter how hard you try, your body will never look like your body's supposed to look. No matter how hard you try, you're never going to be as successful as you're supposed to be. No matter how hard you try, your kids are never going to act like your kids are supposed to act. No matter how hard you try, your family's never going to look like it's supposed to look. And you take all of those things and you try to juggle those things every day and it just feels like a constant life of failure. Many feel like they are constant failures in pursuit of something that can never be attained. Ultimately, it leads to the feeling of, I'm not worth loving. We have to let reality come to the rescue. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. What does the Bible actually teach that your home should look like? That your marriage should look like? If we get real about real life living and real life Christianity, does it look like the Barbie mentality that this world paints. I I have a few pictures that I want us to look at this morning. Go ahead and get that first picture up, and I'm going to comment it here on just a minute. But I want to say that another big part of our problem with this culture is we are so visually and um, marketed to through computers, through social media, and all that we ever see is this picture-perfect look of what our lives are supposed to look like. And so, you never see anybody post the bad stuff. You never see anybody post the real-life stuff that's going on in the home. 
And you know, you're constantly flipping through Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all that other stuff. And, and as, you're, as you're flipping through and you're looking through, you're seeing pictures of supposedly what life is supposed to look like. And, and you watch it on television and you see, the, you see what, is, what is built up is successful in this culture. And it paints this false picture of reality. You know, here we have the happy family that skips together through the field. You know, they're just husbands adoring the wife. And we all do this, don't we? You know, this is us. We're skipping through. The sun's shining. Kids are just as happy as they can be. Brother and sister are holding hands. You know, this is real life. Let's see the next one. It, not only are they happy, these guys are funny. We joke around. We laugh together. Everything is so cool. All of our kids are humorous. The husband and wife just think it's awesome. And all we do is... Laugh around together. Let's see the next one. There's our sweet little angel. This is real school. This is how she acts in school. Let's see the next one. Well, there's our well-behaved children. It's dinner time. They all have two cookies apiece. They've all got their napkins folded in their laps. And our children are just so well-behaved all the time. This is what our home looks like. I'm sure yours looks just like it too. Let's see the next picture. There we go. This is what devotion time looks like in our house. Dad's very engaged. Kids are excited. Look, the son is engaged asking questions and everybody has their Bible folded out and we are totally listening to Dad. That's what my devotions look like. I'll tell you, that's exactly what they look like. Tyron's deeply engaged. He's asking questions about what I'm teaching and the girls are all gathered around. I don't know if anybody has ever had a devotion time that looked like that. I believe in devotion time, don't you? I believe in devotion time. I'm not mocking teaching our children the Word of God. All I'm saying is this is what we've been taught it looks like. Let's see the next picture. This is the family vacation to Paris. Because every young family with three young children can afford a trip to Paris. <laughs> next. I believe this next picture, yep, there we go. This is the smart child. This is my child is so smart and he's learning to read at six months. And, you know, your girlfriend says, oh, my, my son did the same thing in five months, too. Actually, this, is, this was just our child, too. And, 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 and the other one says, well, that's actually Latin. <laughs> Next. I believe the next one is the shot of the home. It is. Here we go. You know, this is the one that's posted. They've, they've got a new fireplace put in. They want everybody to know. Got the new fireplace put in. And you're looking at that picture and you're saying, that is your home? It looks like a doctor's office. And then you find out that family's on the way over to visit and you're like scrambling to throw everything in the closet and lock it up and make it look like that's our home too. Does anybody live there? Okay, my point is, is that we are so visually 
entertained these days that we can get a false picture of what the home looks like. And here's the problem. Almost all of that is placed on the lady's shoulders and it's unattainable. And she constantly feels like she doesn't measure up. Her home is not good enough. Her children are not smart enough. They are not behaved enough. And there's nothing but guilt and shame that she's really dealing with. And there's this terrible thought, if everybody really knew that our home didn't look like that all the time, they would think I was a terrible mother. They would think I was a terrible lady. Here's what I want to say this morning, ladies. You have got to be rescued by reality and come out of that delusion because it is nothing but a delusion. That is not real life. Do not be conformed to this world. That is not real life living. John chapter 8 and verse 32, Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I don't want to misuse the passage just to make a point. I understand that when Jesus used that and spoke that, He was talking to the Jewish people who had rejected Him and who were still spiritually in chains and He was dealing with spiritual freedom by placing faith in Him. But the principle remains that as long as we believe something that is false, we will be trapped in that false way of thinking. And ladies, men, we are just as guilty. I'm going to deal with us men and our role in all of this here in just a moment. But ladies, you have got to come out of this false thinking that if you really do it right and you're a spiritual lady and you're a good mom and you're a good wife, that everything is going to look awesome and your family's always going to be happy and your kids are going to be skipping down the road together and that if your home doesn't look like that, you must have failed. Because if you buy that, you will hopelessly feel like a failure all of your life. That's not real life. Real life is a mess. Real life is hard. Real life is busy. And this delusion that you can have all of this and juggle all of these things perfectly... It keeps women chasing a mirage that always moves further away. You know what a mirage is? It's like when you're, it's hot and you're driving down the road and it looks like there's water, you know, about a half mile down the road. And then as you keep driving, it just keeps moving away. It's kind of like the rainbow. The closer you get to the rainbow, the further it seems to get away. That's the way that this picture of perfectionism is for ladies. Right as you think you're there, you find out you're not. And one of the things I've learned, I don't know why, but it is, it is fair to say that in most cases it's true. Most of us men are okay without being perfect. We're not afraid to give it a shot knowing we might fail. Just give me the bat and put me up there and I'm going to swing and I might hit it and then I might look like a hero. Most of us men are that way. But most ladies are perfectionists. Most ladies feel like they've got to do it right. They've got to do it all right. Everything has to be in line. Everything has to be in order. And if it's not, they feel like failures. It is pressure that's not fair. And this delusion causes women to constantly battle 
inner shame and guilt for failing. And ultimately, this forces women to put on their best Barbie face and to play a plastic life and to just hope and pray that nobody finds out what your home really looks like. How you struggle. How difficult your time you're having parenting. The difficulty in your relationships at home. Here's the thing that's concerning to me. If there's anywhere that we should be able to be real with each other and get help and talk about life, brothers and sisters, it is the church. And when we give the stinking perception that if you do it right, everything looks wonderful and your kids are just going to hold hands and be happy all the time and devotion time is going to be awesome every night and your children are going to be deeply spiritual and, and, and we just have this picture that's so unattainable that we're afraid to be real with each other. We have the, you know, this fear of people come over and, and they see how we, our house is really like and the way that we act, that they're going to think there's something wrong with us. And so somebody's on the way over and we throw everything in the closet and we have to talk with our kids. Three hours. That's all we need. Three hours, okay? I want you to get along. I want you to treat each other nice. I want you to, to help your sister, help your brother. And if you can do it for three hours, we will take you out to get ice cream afterwards, okay? Finally, the three hours go by and we do it and they leave the house and it's like, hmm. okay, son, you can go play your iPod. Daughter, you can go back to your room and disappear for two hours like you normally do and you two can fight now and I'm going to watch TV and, and, and you know, wife, you can get started doing laundry and whatever else you want to do. <laughs> and I'm thinking, we've got to stop this. Why? Why? What are we trying to portray and is it really helpful? What are we teaching our children when they see that there's an element about us that we, we want to pretend we're something we're not when people are around? Now, I'm not saying that there's no reason to clean up your house when you're having neighbors. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I am saying that if we're not careful, we'll get caught up in, in this mentality of perfectionism and it is a dangerous thing to get caught up into. And we've just got to learn to be real. It is a prison for so many ladies that they've been trapped in. And I pray that God helps you to start to come up out of that prison this morning. It is okay that life is messy. It's okay. It's okay that raising children is hard. It is okay that your house doesn't always look like that one up there that we looked at earlier. It's okay. And men, we have to help here. We've got to learn to help our wives the same way they need to help us. This is especially true in the modern day where, and I'm not knocking it, I'm just saying it's modern day, it's difficult to live in this day and age, it's difficult to pay the bills on one income, 
it's difficult to afford heat and electric and food for a lot of people on one single income. That's hard. But if your wife has to work, why do you expect her to do all of the cleaning? You both go to work for the same amount of time. How come she's the one that has to come home, work hard, get everything cleaned up, do all the dishes, make sure all the laundry's done and folded and put in the... Why? Why? We've got to help. We've also, and this is one of the things we have to do sometimes, man, we have to have a realistic perspective ourselves of what life looks like. Can I tell you, I was one of those men that was caught in that trap of here's what life has to look like. And part of it was because I'm obsessive compulsive about stuff. I am. I acknowledge it. God's working on that with me. Right now, the last thing I have that is mine is my truck. My truck is generally spotless. I have rules in my truck. Like, you cannot eat in there ever, 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 ever. <laughs> it's just my truck. Alright? You can eat anywhere else. We can go inside and eat. We can carry it home and eat it inside. You just can't take it out of the bag in the truck. <laughs> A few nights ago, we had... Um, the Christmas tree lighting here in Derby, it happened on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday night of this last week. The Christmas tree lighting. And they always give out free popcorn. Kettle corn is great. I only live like four blocks that way. And the thing is like two blocks that way. So there's like six blocks between there and my house. Now, there was no eating popcorn in the car. But I let them bring their bags of popcorn from their home. And as I'm pulling up in the driveway... My daughter takes her popcorn and spills it all over the floor. I said, did that really just happen? And my wife laughed her head off. I mean, real serious laughed her head off. She could not stop laughing. But this is not funny. But I used to be that same way with everything. And I want to tell you, part of it was my issue, but part of it was this. I also used to be terrified when I was a younger preacher about what a preacher's life was supposed to look like. Because believe it or not, every one of you, under the sound of my voice, and ladies, I'm coming back to you in a moment. I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying, though. Every one of you, under the sound of my voice, have a certain view of what my home is supposed to look like. That's part of the game. I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you, it's part of the role of being a pastor. Every single one of you, under the sound of my voice, has a view in your head of what a pastor's home is supposed to look like. And I was always terrified that we weren't going to keep up to that role. You know, that somebody was going to come in and think, oh my goodness, he's a pastor. And so, I'm like, we've got to keep everything perfect all the time because somebody might come over and then somebody would come over and I was like, oh no, they came over give us 15 minutes notice so we can throw everything in the closet. <laughs> there came a time about four or five years ago, God began to break me of this and God showed me that I wanted my home to look like at all times like nobody lived there. And I thought, how stupid is that? Why do I want my home to look like nobody lives here? 
There's a bunch of people that live here, and I love all of them, and we live life in this building of our home, and it should look like it. If somebody has a problem with it, so what? We've been busy. We had our pastors and deacons meeting, I told you recently, just a, a Friday night, and we were actually hosting it at our house this time. And we were busy, and my wife was hustling around, and I knew she had some other stuff to do, and she was trying to get some things cleaned up. And I just stopped her, and I said, stop. It's okay. I said, we'll just tell them that we live in a house with four kids under the age of 13, and one of them still in diapers, and that's why our house looks the way it looks. And my wife put her hand on my head, and she said, are you okay? <laughs> because that wasn't who I used to be. But I've come to see, guys, it's okay to live life. And it's okay for people to know that we live life too. It's okay. Life is messy sometimes. And men, we've got to be willing to help our wives. And we've got to be willing to help them have a realistic expectation of life. This delusion is keeping women from the most important things first. They're so busy trying to, to attain something that's unattainable that they get their priorities out of line and they forget to keep first things first. And so I've outlined the problem, but I want to look at the solution before we close today. Look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Ladies, let's get your priorities back. Verse 38, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. This is a beautiful passage that shows us First of all, Martha and Mary were sisters. And I believe there's a little bit of Martha and Mary in every woman in this building. You want to serve and you want to worship. The problem is when you're serving, when, when all of your doing begins to take place of your worship. No doubt that Martha felt like worshiping God was an important thing. We know Martha loved Jesus if you know about the relationship that Jesus had with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Martha loved Jesus. It's not that she didn't think Jesus was worth worshiping. But it's that she did not know the boundary. She did not know the line. She did not know where to stop her serving and say enough is enough. It's okay if the countertops aren't sparkling. It's okay if all the laundry isn't folded. I've only got so many hours in this day and I have got to spend time with Jesus. Because here's the reality. Men, we're the same way. Ladies, you're the same way. 
stuff has to get neglected. You can't do it all. You've got to trust God that you've got to put it in priority and do it God's way. And you don't want to neglect the important things in life. Your time with God, your time with your spouse, your time with your children. You do not want to neglect the important things of life because you are so busy trying to attain to a house that looked like the one that we looked at earlier. Let your house be sometimes. Just spend some time with God. Then spend some time with your husband. Then spend some time with your kids. Your first priority, ladies, has to be to your God. You need to have a regular time in your life to be spending time with God. Reading His Word, and at times just sitting at His feet. I picture that as prayer. That quiet place of where you're sitting before God, you're just worshiping God, you're meditating on God, you're trying to listen to God about God. What would you have me to do today? Can I tell you, I, don't, I have not found the balance. I haven't figured it all out. But in some ways, as a pastor, my life is similar. It's very busy. I have a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak. I have a lot of scheduling that I have to do. And I'm a husband and I'm raising four kids. And you know what I've learned? I don't understand it. It's, it's almost like tithing. I don't, I don't understand it, but I've learned this. If I will stop and spend some time in prayer... Doing nothing. I'm not doing stuff. I'm not on the computer. I'm not emailing people back. I'm not making plans. I'm not making phone calls. I'm not doing counseling. I'm not doing meetings. I'm not, I'm not studying for a message. I'm spending time with God. I don't understand it, but I'm telling you, God will help me to accomplish more in that day when I stop and give God some of my time first than had I just hit the ground running. But it's real. And ladies, you've got to trust God with the same thing. You've got to learn to shut down and worship God and spend time with God and not allow this, this futile desire to, to spend all of your energy and all of your efforts trying to attain to this false perception of what a good, solid woman looks like in our day and our culture. Give God some time first. And then secondly, if you're married, after God comes your husband. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Let's just look at verse 33 for sake of time today. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself... And let the wife see that she respects her husband. So we've already dealt with men. And we've talked about men and what it looks like to love your wife as yourself. If you were not here for that part of the sermon series, we encourage you to get the CDs and listen. That's, that's why I'm skipping men. We've already dealt with them. <clears throat> what does it say to the wife? It says, respect her husband. Respect her husband. Men, this is what men really want. We want to be respected. Pray that God helps me to communicate this properly. <clears throat> I also pray that you understand these are principles, not laws. But generally speaking, what men really want is to be respected. We want to know that what we have done matters. 
that you appreciate the work we've put in to our family, into the home, into providing for our family. We want to be respected. Men are creatures of respect. Women are creatures of love. Notice the Word of God tells men to love their wives. Women need to be loved. It tells women to respect their husbands. Not the other way around. Us men, we're men of respect. We're we're creatures of respect. So how do you respect your husband? What does that mean? Especially if men talk in terms of respect and women talk in terms of love. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you, number one, it does mean, ladies, that you give your man some time. That you talk with him. And you say, well, maybe he doesn't want to talk. I'm going to tell you one of the best places and one of the best times to talk. You've got to figure out your own home, and I'm not trying to get too private into your life, but one of the best places to do it is before you go to bed. Especially if you have kids in the house. They're in bed. It's quiet. Things are done. Turn the TV off. And spend time with your husband. Talk with him. I challenged our men a few weeks ago to go home and talk to your wife. Many of you did that. I challenge you women to do the same thing with your husband. Talk to your husband. Ask him, do you feel like I show you respect? Do you feel like I'm thankful for everything that you do for our home as a husband, as a, as a father, as a leader of this home? Men want to be respected, and that needs to be communicated. It is also shown, we looked at this a little bit last week, but it is shown in your, your attitude and your mentality and your willingness to let the man lead. And we also have a desire to be needed. I have to be careful about how I communicate this. But we have a desire to be needed. Physically needed. And one of the best things I can encourage you to do, ladies, don't do dishes and don't do laundry until 10.30 at night until you're totally wiped out and then fall in the bed and fall asleep in two minutes. It sends the message that as much as I've got to do, I would rather do dishes and laundry until I crash then spend ten minutes with you. That's the way it can make a man feel. You've got to be willing to say, serving is important, but there is a time to shut down. And I don't know about you, but if we're talking, you know, later in the evening, kids are down in bed, and my wife has two choices between doing laundry and doing dishes or spending some time with me, I don't want her doing laundry and doing dishes. But it takes a willingness, ladies, to say, it's okay that everything's not done right. It's okay I'm not going to work myself to death every day trying to attain to something that's not attainable. And what my husband really wants anyways is respect And he wants to know that I want him, that I need him. And sometimes, believe it or not, you can show him that by putting down the work and just spending time with him. 
And I would hope and I would pray that men, you would be respectful of that, that you would enjoy that, and that you would let her know you appreciate that. Sometimes, us men can be like I was, like I I told you I used to be. We can be too overbearing and expect too much and buy into this false picture, and we heap that on our wives. Brothers, let's not do that. Let's help them up out of that. Let's give them the freedom to shut down and know you don't have to do this all the time. There's been times I've just told my wife, quit it. We'll get up, we'll do this together in the morning. It is, you know, 9.30 at night. Stop. You've been doing this for hours. Just quit. Come spend some time with me. Let's talk. Let's laugh. Let's have fun. This will be there tomorrow, and if we clean it up now, our kids will have it totally messed up by 4 p.m. anyways. Who cares? Let's spend some time together. Malachi is like a little tornado. I'm not kidding about that. Our two-year-old is a tornado. It's pointless to try to clean when he's awake. You just do it when he's asleep and then invite people to come over during nap time. Look with me at Titus chapter 2. A few more passages and I'm done today. Look at, this, uh, look at Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. The older woman likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their husbands, that the Word of God may not be blasphemed. This is a real general statement made briefly from the Apostle Paul to Titus about how to teach the church how it ought to behave. But I want you to notice two things about this passage. We see, number one, the idea of a woman... First loving her husband, then loving her children. You know, we haven't even got... You talk about what what we're supposed to do. We talk about priorities. We look at a woman in her worship of God and her time with God. We look at a woman in her time with her husband. Now we're looking at a woman in her time with her children. You know, we haven't even got to what the rest of the world thinks yet. We haven't even got to trying to look decent in the eyes of the world. We haven't even got there yet. It is so far down the priority list. And I believe that once we get our priorities right, God does work out all that other stuff. Your kids. Your children. Ladies, if you're not careful, you'll get so wrapped up in trying to make a family look like something to everybody else and trying to attain something that's unattainable that you'll forget to really be mom. There was a, I can't even remember where or what, but about a year ago I seen a photo of a couple of ladies at a playground and the kids were playing and all of the ladies were looking at their cell phone. And it was a telling picture of how if we're not careful, we'll be so disengaged from really spending time with our kids really parenting, really watching them and just 
being in, in love with our kids and teaching them. And, and they're just kind of raising themselves in our culture and it's like we're there and if you're not careful, and I'm thinking, what are they looking at? What is so incredibly important that they can't be talking, they're all looking at their phones, and their kids are playing by themselves. And I think if we're not careful, we'll get sucked into this social media false perception of, of constantly trying to see what everyone else's life looks like, what everyone else's home looks like, what everyone else's children look like, what everyone else's marriage looks like, what everyone else is doing today. The week, it's like, wait a second, what, I don't have anything to do with any of that. Who cares? What about me and my family? What about me and my children? I'm going to engage with my kids, with my children. Spend time with your kids. Not just around them, but with them. Be willing to put down the chores. Be willing to put down the stuff. And spend time with your kids. Invest time with your kids. Teach your children. And then finally, we also see community. So here's, here's, here's the priority, ladies. God first. Husband next if you're married. Children if you have children. Then community. Then community. And we do have a responsibility to be making a difference in our communities. Not to please the community. It's not to conform to the world. But it's to reach the world with the message of the cross. It's to take the talents that you have and use them to further God's name. Ultimately, this is what you were built for. This is what you were designed for. This is what God created you for. And if you get these priorities out of line and you're not doing these things you will find yourself on the rat wheel of American society constantly trying to beat something you can never really attain to. The last passage I want us to look at is Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. Notice, first of all, ladies, you have a big role in building the house that you live in. You build it. You make it what it is. You remember last week I mentioned that in most homes, it's actually the woman that sets the atmosphere of the home. In most homes, it is the lady who sets the atmosphere of the home. She plays a big role in building it. You have a very important role in your home, ma'am. Here's what I want you to see. The word, her. The wise woman builds her house. Forget about everyone else's. Forget about getting on the internet to see how everyone else is raising their kids. Forget about trying to find out how everybody else's home looks so that your home can look the same way when everyone else comes over. Stop it. God did not call you to build their house and God did not call you to make your house based upon their 
convictions and their ways. You build your house. You be you. You and your husband come together on what your home is going to look like and you just build your house. Don't worry about everybody else. And brothers and sisters, we need to be willing to do the same with our houses and let other people do it their way. Let's not heap our convictions on everybody else. Let's be helpers. Let's be encouragers. I hate to be the guy that feels like when, you know, that when that family comes over, you've got to do this, 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 and this. I don't want to be that guy. And listen, just because I have obsessive compulsive disorder doesn't mean that you need to change a thing about your house when I come over. Don't let my junk and my problems become your problems. Okay? And I mean that in all sincerity. And I can say this before you and before God. I won't judge you because your truck doesn't look like my truck. I'm just telling you it's me. It's my space. It's how I am. I freak out when my kids put popcorn on the floor. That's what I do. True story. But I don't expect you to change your life or to pretend that you're somebody else just because I'm coming around. And believe it or not, I've got my problems too. And our house doesn't always look spotless. And our kids don't always behave. And we don't skip through fields together all the time holding hands smiling because we're so happy the sun's on our face. We're not that family. We have problems. We have good days. We have good times. We have victories. We have battles that we face. Life is a mess, but I'm telling you something. We're living it together. And thank God that we are. And I wouldn't trade my family for all the world. And I think I've got one of the greatest wives the world's ever known. I love my children. But that said, we are people. And at times, our life is a mess too. It's okay. And it's okay for your life to be the same way. Brothers and sisters, we need to get real. Ladies, you need to know, stop chasing the delusion that this world calls a successful woman. And you be who God called you to be. Get your priorities right. As our worship team comes this morning, I want to ask you ladies a simple question. Have you been trapped trying to chase what this world calls success? Do you constantly feel like a failure because no matter how hard you try, your home can't look like that and your family doesn't look like that and your kids don't sit around the table like that? Maybe this morning, God wants you to see, hey, that's not reality. And rather than spending all of your energy and your time trying to look like something, it's time to get your priorities straight. I don't want you to think about your overall life. I want you to think about daily. Because what you do daily really is telling about your overall life. I want to ask yourself this morning, daily. Can you say on average, daily, your time with God is first priority? Can you say that secondly, after your time with God, your thoughts are, have I honored my husband today? Am I respecting my husband today? Am I showing my husband today that I want him and that I desire him? And then, if you have children, am I being a mother to my children today? 
See, these are the things God ultimately created you to do. And you're going to find that you really get committed to these things. You don't have a whole lot of time to chase that fairy tale. It's a full-time business putting up with us guys. It's a full-time business raising kids. It's a full-time business keeping your own heart and your own life and your own mind right before God and spending time with God and in God's Word so that He can maintain that. Pray this morning that maybe somebody here will be set free from the trap of perfectionism. And to know that God loves you the way that you are. God designed you to love Him first. To have priorities in your life. And you don't, there is no such thing as the perfect woman. You don't have to be all of these things to be loved and to be of value and to be a great lady. Father, I pray that You move across this room. I pray that You'd raise up godly women. God, here in this church, ladies that love You, ladies that learn to quit serving for a time just to sit at Your feet, to give their husbands time, to respect their husbands, to build their husbands up, to invest in their children, and then to invest in their community. God, I pray that we would be a church that is real and authentic, that doesn't buy into this false, fake, plastic mentality of a home that our culture tells us we're supposed to have. I pray that we'd be okay with all of our, our bumps and our bruises and our failures. I mean, God, that we can work through them together. God, I pray for husbands this morning that maybe have been overbearing, expecting too much, having an unrealistic expectation on their wife, that God this morning may be convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, that things will begin to change there. Lord, I just pray that whatever it is that you're doing in hearts this morning, you would finish it before we leave this place. In Jesus' name, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, some have already came to the altar. Ladies, maybe you just need to come and ask God to reprioritize your, your life. Men, maybe you need to come and ask God to forgive you for being too bearing on your wife. Whatever the need is, as they sing a song of invitation, if there's a need in your life this morning, would you come and meet with God? Won't you come?